by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. It's very humbling and uh, I'm very excited that you're in my corner. I'm glad we're in this together because... We couldn't do any of this unless we did it together. And that's what the Lord gave me to preach on this morning. It's a message called, Together We Can Do This. And, and Miss Mary, thank you so much. I know you was instigating all this stuff this morning. Where's she at? She's still working. Still, still working? <laughs> Nicholas and Joe, thank you for embarrassing yourself on my behalf. <laughs> <coughs> Thank all of you for coming today. It's, it really touches our heart and it, and it gives us an encouragement. And we need to encourage one another in this day. There's uh, so many tough things going on in the world, but we keep encouraging ourselves in the Lord. And if the Lord be for you, who can be against you, right? Amen. So uh, when they were talking about doing something this morning, I didn't know what they were going to do. You never know, but I thought about 1 Thessalonians 5, 12, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work and live peaceably with each other. So, you know, part of me wants to say, you know, y'all, we, we're not doing that or whatever, but I understand uh, that you want to honor and respect and show love to your pastor, and, and that's biblical. So we see it there in the scripture. But I also want to show honor and love and respect to you because, like I said, we're all in this together. We, we all come together, and there's no big eyes and little U's in the body of Christ. You know, I just play my role and you play yours, and together we make God's kingdom beautiful. I, I would like to say that, you know, Pastor Vickers is our senior pastor, and, and he helps me so greatly. Just the best person I've ever worked with. And he, he encourages me and shows me how to, to pastor. And, and he's been through everything that we'll ever go through, probably. And so he's just a great, uh, firm foundation for us to build upon. And, and I want to thank our leadership teams here at the church, the department heads, my G-Force leadership team, and the life group leaders, all the leaders in the church. Let's give them a round of applause. <laughs> Before I was ever in leadership and got involved in the church, I thought, you know, you just showed up on Sunday and things just kind of fell into place. But there's, there's so much structure within a church to, to make things go the, the way God wants them to go. So, and, and that takes all of us. And, I, and even if you're not in leadership, uh, if, if you're just here today, you, are, you play an important part. You do. Each one of you. Some of you may think, well, I just go here every now and then or whatever. But you're still playing a part. And I want you to know the door is open for you to, to go from, what would she say, like a contender to a, to a champion. Uh, the door is open for you to be more involved in this church. This is our church. 
And what happens here, it just depends on us. It, you know, I can't make anything. If I've learned anything over my nine years of pastoring, I can't make anything happen here. God does all that, but he does it through us together. So that's a beautiful thing. Um, look at your neighbor say, you. First Peter 2, 5, talking about the church, Peter says, you also as living stones, are being built up to a spiritual house. That's what a church is made of, not brick and mortar. It is living stones coming together. Some people say, well, I am the church of God. Not by yourself, you're not. You're just a, a rolling stone out there on your own. But when you come together with other believers, you make up a spiritual house. But it takes us coming to what? Together. Y'all help me today? We're being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So when I see that, I think all the, the sacrifice that I've put in to serve the Lord and all the sacrifices that, that you put in to serve the Lord, we do that through Jesus Christ, through what Jesus Christ is building. And so the church is important. I, I'd have to argue with people that say the church is irrelevant these days, that the church is, is, you know, because there's a few bad apples and a few bad preachers that's fallen and so forth and fallen into sin, that the church is irrelevant and important. It is not. It's what Jesus is still doing on the earth. Jesus said, I will build my church. And I want you to know that he says, I will build. My church. He considers it his personal church. He considers it what he is doing on the earth. And in Psalms 127, verse 1, it says, Unless the Lord builds the house, he that labor laboreth in vain. So, you know, we could get together and do a bunch of good stuff. But if we're not listening to the Lord... We're not, if we're not giving him preeminence. You know, when we sang that song this morning, that was a perfect selection, Chad. He is worthy of it all. He is the one who is worthy of all of our praise. He is the one that deserves all the glory. I thank you for the honor that you've shown me today, the respect and the love that you have given me. And I give it back to you. I love you, I respect you, and I honor you. And together, that's good. But the most important thing we'll ever do is give God, give the Lord Jesus Christ, the builder and the maker, the, the, the uh, sustainer of all things, the architect of the church. We give him the glory. So stand to your feet and let's give Jesus the glory. Hallelujah. We honor you, Lord Jesus. We praise you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for loving us. Thank you, Jesus. Give him some thanks and praise in the house today. Jesus, bless you, Lord. Oh, has he done anything in your life? Has he saved your soul from hell? Has he worked with you through all your stuff? Is he still coming and helping you and undergirding you and giving you confidence and hope? Give him some praise. Jesus. Bless your name, Lord. Hallelujah. And he's doing that for this church. And I can promise you one thing. He's not through with us yet. We may go through seasons where it seems like we're in the valley. It may seem like a drought sometimes. 
It seemed like, where, where's the promises? Oh, they're on the way. And he leaves out provision along the path. And he is leading us on a journey. So don't you quit the journey just because you ain't got to the destination yet. You, if you're going to, to Walmart, you don't quit halfway and say, oh, well, we're never getting to Walmart. You just keep going till you get to Walmart. And when you look at this, this vision on the wall, it says, who we are, we're a warm, fun, loving church, eager to reach out with God's love to have all who have lost their way. Do you feel like that? Do you, do you feel like everyone matters? Are we a church that only, that only lets few people in if they qualify to meet our standards? Are we a hospital of hope and a fire igniting the passion to pursue a true purpose in people's lives? Have, has this church invested in your life, wanting to see you go around that discipleship wheel? Where you find God and you find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in your life. Are you, do you feel that tug? Is God using you in this church to, to go around that wheel and, and become a better person, become a champion for Christ? Absolutely he is. That's who we are. He showed us what we're doing. We're making disciples who will make disciples. He showed us where we're going. We're going to plant churches all over the world. He shows us why we do it, because we love him. He shows us how we're going to do it, because we're genuine, passionate, and relevant. And he says, you know when we're going to do it? Now. now. The time is now. So he's answered our questions. He has engulfed us in a vision here at the Passion Church. He has a plan. Don't get weary in well-doing. Don't, don't give up on the hope. Don't give up on the dream. How are we going to do this? Together. We need each other. You can be seated and give yourselves a, a round of applause. My goodness, Whew. I've done encouraged myself again. <laughs> Sometimes you got to preach yourself happy. You know, there's a story in the Bible about, you know, the, the beginning of mankind after they fall into sin. You know, we all start out with a sin nature until Jesus Christ comes in and helps us overcome that. And all the people got together and they said, you know what? Let's build a big city in memorial to ourselves. Let's build a big tower that'll go all the way past heaven. We'll be taller than God. We won't even need God. And that's really, if you think about it, that's still going on today, isn't it? You look around and everybody says, I don't need God. Let me think of ways to be bigger than God. I'll sit on the throne of my own life. I'll build my kingdom down here. And that's what unbelievers do. That sin nature. They want to build a tower, but God calls it Babel because he confused their language. You know why? Because the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit was in heaven and they thought to themselves, you see what they're doing? And since they were, we were made in his image, he said, you know, if they put their hearts together, they put their minds together, they come into one accord, they come into unity there's nothing that will stop them. Next thing we know, we'll be seeing a tower passing, passing through heaven. Of course, I'm just paraphrasing. I'm just supposing what he actually said. But he did say, if they put their minds together, there's nothing that can stop them. And so he's, he confused their language so they couldn't communicate. And that's when people went off into different tribes and into the different parts of the world. And they became the different nations of the world in the Tower of Babel. But I thought it was interesting 
that even God recognized when we come together. Now, what if we came together for God's purposes? Well, we see in Acts chapter 4 that Peter and John had just been to the gate beautiful and they raised the guy that had been lame for 40 years, you know, from his mother's womb. And he was jumped up and leaped up and goes walking, you know. But the religious leaders of the time, they didn't like the way Jesus did things. They didn't like Jesus' followers. And so they said, oh, you healed on the Sabbath or whatever. And they, whatever they could throw against them, they arrested them and tried to, they wanted to kill them. But they couldn't do that because they realized the people had witnessed a great miracle. So they released them and let them go. And Peter and John went back to the, where all the disciples were hanging out together. How many of those disciples love to hang out together? Don't you love the fellowship of your brothers and sisters in this room? That's why so many of you get here so early. I'm looking, it was 9.30 and the house is halfway packed, you know. That's good. That's biblical. But they came together that day. They were so excited about what God was doing that they began to pray. And, the, and it says that they were in one accord and in one heart and one mind. And it says the building shook with the power of the Holy Ghost. And there ain't no power like a Holy Ghost power. There ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party. Come on, somebody. Oh, my goodness. What will begin to happen when the Spirit of God comes in here like he wants to what's he looking for unity one heart one mind one accord loving one another getting rid of all that strife and division not talking about each other not having angst in your heart against the way somebody worships that worships different than you somebody sat in your your pew last week this or that just playing just little kid games once we get serious about what God's serious about, and that's loving him and loving one another, the great commandment. Once we get serious about that, what can the Holy Spirit not do through a people? Anyway, in Acts 4, 29, it says, they pray, this is what they prayed that day that the building shook. It says, and now, O Lord, hear their threats, the religious people that, and, the, and the Romans that wanted to wipe them out. Hear their threats. And give us your servant great boldness in preaching your word. See, that's what they were hungry for. They wanted to spread God's kingdom. Not the kingdom of their own kingdom. Not the kingdoms of this world. They wanted to spread God's kingdom. Is that, in, is that what you want to do? Well, let's pray that God will give us great boldness in preaching his word. He said, stretch out your hand. They prayed, stretch out your hand with healing power. How many want to see some miracles, some signs and wonders? He said, stretch out your hands with healing power. May miracles, signs, and wonders be done through the name of your holy child, Jesus. You know, we've been given a name above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. We have the greatest name in all the world. We just have to have faith in his promises and seal it in his name. So, Lord, stretch out your hand with healing power and miracles, signs, and wonders, and may they be done in the name of your holy servant Jesus so that he gets the credit. And after this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they preached the word of God with boldness. Oh, there they are. 
They already preaching the word of God with boldness. They no sooner finished the prayer and they were preaching with boldness. Are you scared to tell somebody about Jesus? Pray this prayer. God, give us great boldness. You can do it. You can do it. You know I was going to say that, didn't you? The reason they show in the Rocky and stuff is because I'm always quoting Rocky. I love that movie. I was down at Papa's house when I was about 12 years old, I think, when that movie came out. And I went out there, and I, I ran around the barn about 10 times doing that number there. And he had some old spindles or something out in the barn, and I'd make me some weights. And I'd, for about a good 30 minutes, I got in shape. <laughs> I was about 12 years old, you know. Do me a favor and hold hands with the person next to you. Some of y'all scooch over and stretch out. What I want to do, you know, Jesus said my house will be a house of prayer. It always will be. And I'm telling you the way the things are looking in this world with God's people Israel being attacked and the, the regional powers coming against them. They're surrounded with their enemies. We're seeing prophecy come to pass right before our eyes. I'm telling you, if we don't pray right now, when, what are we waiting on? If our prayer warriors don't show up on Tuesday nights, what are we waiting on? And if we don't pray, you, if you say, I can't make it on Tuesday, but, but you can make it sometime during the week. I want you to pray for this world. I want you to pray for this nation. I want you to pray for this church. And I want you to pray for your family. And I want you to pray for each other. And let's pray together right now. Father God, we thank you that you have a calling on this church. And I thank you that there's a purpose and a calling on every life within this church. I pray that you will watch over our families. I pray, Father God, that you will watch over your people Israel. I pray that you will stop the wars and, and let there be peace in Jerusalem, Lord, and save innocent lives. Father God, I pray that there will be a holy shaking take place in every heart. I pray, Father God, that you would look down and you would see our desire to serve you and to build your kingdom and you would give us great boldness to preach your word. I pray that you would stretch forth thy hand with healing, Lord, and that miracles and signs and wonders would be done in the name of your holy child, Jesus. Oh, Lord, let this be a house of prayer and let this be a house of miracles and let this be a house that builds your house. We have not forgotten the promises that you have given us and, and engulfed us with with these banners, Lord. We will keep this vision before us and we will run this race and we will finish our course. Even when it doesn't look like things are moving, we will not lose heart. We will stay steadfast and faithful to you and the whole time knowing that you're steadfast and faithful to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Say amen. 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 All right, you can let go of that hand and wipe it off on your, your pants, sir. I am very honored today to have a special guest from Orlando, Florida, who, my uncle, Mr. Joey Gasparini. You can be seated. 
I love Uncle Joey. You may remember him from some of those stories. He's in the book and so forth, and I tell a lot of these stories. He was the one who would climb the little tower every year at Christmas and put the star on the top. He would scamper up there. And uh, Uncle Joey, I want you to know I, you, I have always looked up to you. I, I know I'm about a foot taller than you. But I have always looked up to you. When you had a girlfriend come through the house when you was in high school and stuff, that was my crush. Everything you did, I, I wanted to be like you. And today, I still look up to you. You are an awesome man to look up to. He's got, he's got a wonderful wife. He's got a wonderful wife, Vera. He's got two children, Molly and Anna Lauren. And uh, Anna Lauren is, oh, she's something else. She's one of my most favorite people in the whole world. She still calls me. Uh, I mean, I probably haven't seen her since she was 10 years old, and she's 40 now because they live so far away. But, uh, no, I've seen her once since then when we went down there. But uh, she has Down syndrome. And you know how precious those guys are. I mean, just the lovingest people that you've ever met. And she still remembers me. She calls me and says, cousin guy, cousin guy. And she, she calls me. We talk. And the other, uh, last year, I guess it was, she sent me a painting that she had done. And it says, in God we trust. He gives us air to breathe. He gives us water to drink. He gives us a lot of choices in the world. Anna Lauren has graduated college at the University of Central Florida, four-year school. And his other daughter, Molly, is uh, becoming a veterinarian. She's, she's about to complete her, what do you call it, residency? Or her residency. So she was, she's going to open a hospital for animals. And so you've done a good job, Uncle Joey, good job. All right, where are we going? Well, let's get started. Y'all want to hear a message today? Oh, y'all ready to quit? We just got started. Okay, so I've showed you the banners. What is our short-term path forward? How do we accomplish this? You know, we've got a long way to go before we're planting churches all over the world. We got a long way to go just to convince some people in here that this little church back in the back of nowhere is not even on GPS could actually plant churches all over the world. But once we believe it, then we can start pulling together and start making short-term advances and little upon little become big upon big. Don't despise small beginnings, the Bible says. That's where it all happens. God loves to take the underdog, right? He loves to take the rocky. And make him champion of the world. So what is our short-term path forward? Well, the way I see it right now, the, the immediate goal for us is to, for us to establish this church. Before we can plant churches all over the world, we need to establish this church. We need to fill these purple seats with people. And we need to do that consistently. We need to consistently meet our financial obligations and put some money aside for a building of our own. We, we've been paying rent here 
I love this place. Don't, I love this place. And we are blessed to have this place. But you know what? I can see us in our own place. I can see us with some grass for the kids to run and play in. I can see us a place to have our festivals. And, and I can see us with a kitchen and a, and a, what do you call it, a dining hall so that we can eat together. A fellowship hall. What about that? I can see us in a neighborhood that we can call our own, that we can reach out to. We can walk door to door and we can advertise in. Man, I can see some good things on the horizon. You know, there's, there's been times I tried to move us in that direction. It just wasn't the timing. But, it, but God is doing something in us. God's got to get it done in us before we're ready to take that next step. And that's what we're talking about today. We need to fill this church. We need to continue to train and equip leaders. Don't we have good leaders? They are doing a fabulous job. Don't we have ministers here that can take this pulpit and run with it? I mean, can preach. God is doing something in our ministers here. And, and that's because one day they might lead these church plants that we're, we're looking to do. Uh, so, one thing I wrote, Jesus uses the journey to prepare our hearts for the destiny. Sometimes we just focus on the destiny and think it's going to magically appear. But God is using the journey to prepare our hearts for the destiny. If sometimes if you just got to the destiny, you wouldn't be prepared to stay there. If as a pastor, all of a sudden, all this began to happen, I, I would not be mature enough to handle it. Sometimes I, you know, I get nervous about preaching in front of 50 people. What if I was preaching in front of 200 people or 2,000 people? So God has to work some things out. I know he's working some things out in me. Is he working anything out in you? If you'll let him, he certainly will. If you'll say, God, here I am, I want to be used by you. I want to be a living stone in your house. I want to be an active part of advancing the kingdom. Let God have his way. Habakkuk 2.3, for those like who, like me, often get discouraged that we hadn't got as far along as I thought we should have. It says, the vision, you know, God gives each church a vision. Our, our church is unique to us, but similar to other churches, right? But this is the vision that God has shown us over the years. The vision is for a future time. It describes the end, and, will, and it will be fulfilled. It will be. If it seems slow in coming, then what do you do? Wait patiently. For it will take place and it will not be delayed. In other words, it will happen when God ordains that it will happen. He knew before he gave us the vision how long it would take us to get there, so don't be discouraged. Vision achievers have to develop patient endurance. A lot of this life is not mountaintop experiences. A lot of it's just the journey through the valley. And we have to be okay with that. You know, it's through the valley that we, we often grow as people. It's through the valley when you hadn't felt God's presence for a long time. You hadn't read his word like you're supposed to. And you feel like your life is falling apart. But then you say, no, I'm turning back to God. I, I know in whom I believed. That's when your faith grows stronger. 
You, you just can't sustain a life on the mountaintop, you know. The wind blows too strong up there. It's too emotional on the mountaintop to be with God all the time. He can't reveal his whole self to you all at once. That's why he only showed Moses his hinder parts. You know, Moses says, show me your glory. We all want God's glory all the time. But God knows that if we just lived in the glory, then the, our personal responsibility wouldn't be there because we'd be, we wouldn't be doing our part. We'd just be walking around with chill bumps, you know. So he wants to see you. What, what are you going to do when I'm not around? When you raise your kids, you know, you give them a little rope. All right. You go shopping on your own, I'll be up here. You know, what you going to come back with? Uh, here's your list. You know, he, he'll tr trust us to do some things. He's growing us up. He's maturing us so that we can help mature others. Truth, faithfulness is a lifelong endeavor. Jacob, anybody remember Jacob? What does the name Jacob mean? Y'all been listening to me. All these years I've preached about Jacob. His name means swindler. That means he was a con man. And that's kind of where I came from, buying and selling, you know. And so somebody prophesied one time that I was like Jacob. And I, I got my feelings all hurt. I'm like, I'm, I'm a swindler, you know. It, it took Jacob 20 years serving Laban, another swindler, before he finally got tired of that life and turned to head back to the promised land, and when he wrestled with God on the banks of the Jabbok River. It was 20 years of serving Laban. But you know, that's kind of my story. It took me a long time. I was 32 before I came to God. I had to work out some things, and maybe, maybe that's where you are in your life. Joseph. Joseph was a man, well, when he was a boy, he was ready to serve the Lord. He, he, was, he was doing right from as a kid. Maybe that's your story. Maybe you grew up in the church. Maybe you've always served the Lord. But even then, it took him 13 years before the time that his brothers threw him in the pit because they were jealous until the time he made the palace. 13 years it took him to go from prince to pauper. Why, why if, he, if he already served the Lord, if he already loved the Lord, why couldn't it just happen like that? Well, why didn't it just happen like that for David? David was anointed king as a little boy, but he was 30 before he became king. God had to work it out. Look at your neighbor and say, work it out. What about Noah? Now, Noah, God searched the whole world to find Noah. Noah was a man faithful to God. His whole life. And then it took him 120 years, they say, to build the ark. So that's a man that was faithful to God all his life, but it still took him 120 years to complete the task that God had for him. I'm just trying to give you some hope that, that we're still in the process. And I think about Abraham. You know, he was 100 years old before he got his child. The child of promise, Isaac. God promised it to him when he was 75, I think it was. That was 25 years he waited for this miracle child. And he, met, he had some Ishmaels along the way, didn't he? He did some things wrong. But the whole time, God was trying to get him to believe. Believe if I say it's going to come to pass, it will. And it took him and Sarah that long to actually believe that God could. Now, the, the fact that 
Sarah was 90 and barren, and he was an old man at 100 years old, did that stop God or hinder him in any way from bringing it to pass? Is there anything in this church that you see could stop God from bringing our vision to pass? And then when he brought it to pass, and Isaac grew up and he was healthy and he was strong and he was the apple of his father Abraham's eye, guess what? God tested Abraham and said, bring him to a mountain and sacrifice him to me there. Abraham got up early the next morning, it said, saddled his donkey. He went to do what God said to do. In fact, he was coming down with the knife when God had to call his name twice to stop him from killing his own son. Did God want a human sacrifice? God has never wanted a human sacrifice. But he wanted to test Abraham because the reason that he made Abraham the father of our faith was not just so that Abraham could have a lot of children. It was because he was going to birth a great nation through Abraham called Israel. The example that we look to today for our faith. He used these people. Not that he loves them any more than he loves us, but he uses these people. Their example. And not only that. See, God was doing a special work in Abraham all those years. Creating that faith. The kind of faith that would say, God, you gave me my heart's desire in Isaac, but I'm going to give him back to you. You see, along the journey, God walked so closely with Abraham. And he had been so good to Abraham, so faithful to Abraham, that Abraham was like, I trust you, God. I know that even if I kill my son like you asked me to do, that you'll raise him back to life because you have to, because you said through my seed, Isaac, that, the, that I would be the father of many nations. It has to happen. I believe your plan, even if it hurts me to the core, that if it don't make sense at the time. And because Abraham passed the test of faith, because he was willing to give up his son, God says, now I have a covenant partner, and now I can get my son into the earth and give my son. Do you see what God was doing? Nobody could have guessed what God was doing. But he had a covenant partner with man. He's the fa Abraham is known as the father of our faith because Abraham was willing. God was able. He gave his son as a sacrifice for us. And now we've been grafted in into that wonderful family of God. It's a beautiful story. Could anybody have figured that out before it happened? No. Only God knows what he's doing. And we must trust him in the process. What did God have to do in all these people first? He had to create a soft heart. He had to build faith. He had to give them humility. Because so many people God blesses when they're not ready, and then they run off and take the credit for it all, right? And God can't use them anymore. What does God want from us? The same thing. He wants you to stay on the potter's wheel. I know you're making mistakes. I'm making mistakes. 
I know sometimes you sin, I sin. Sometimes we all fall. But it says a good man gets back up and climbs back up on that potter's wheel and says, keep working on me, God. Get your hands into me. Mold me and shape me and give me a pliable heart. Let God have his way in your heart. To his nation Israel in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 24 says, God says, I will gather you up from all the nations and bring you home again to your land. Do you know that happened in 1948? Never has a nation been dispersed abroad and, and ceased to be a nation for 2,000 years and God brought them back home again. That happened in 1948 when Israel became a nation. And didn't, didn't he do that for us? Didn't he bring us out of our captivity? When we were running from him, didn't he, didn't he pursue us? Throw us over his shoulder and carry us back home? In verse 25, he said, Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. Oh, the washing of the water of God's word in your life is making you clean. He said, your filth will be washed away and you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart. <laughs> and I will put a new spirit in you. And I will take away your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender and responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey all my regulations. And to Israel he says, and you will live in Israel in the land I gave your ancestors long ago. You will be my people and I will be your God. And when you hear all this propaganda going on today about the Palestinian, it's the Palestinians land, blah, blah, blah. blah. I don't care who, who says what about the boundaries. God said, this is my people's land. He gave it to them. God said it, that settles it. And then, talking about a, a pliable heart, those religious leaders of Jesus' time, man, they just did not like the way Jesus did things because he loved people and he used common people and he healed on the Sabbath. They had all their man-made rules and regulations and traditions. And they had twisted what God had said. And then I'm going to just use this out of the... Message paraphrase because it's just too good. Matthew 12, 6 says, There is far more at stake here than religion. If you had any idea what this scripture meant, I prefer a flexible heart to an inflexible ritual. You wouldn't be nitpicking like this. You wouldn't be complaining about everything. God is looking for a flexible heart, not an inflexible ritual doing the same thing over and over and over. Nobody's heart getting changed. Whew, I better quit. Before I do, here's some things. Keys to endurance. We've been on this endurance. I think this is the last message. <laughs> I think, you know what, since we've been talking about Israel, I think next week I'm going to speak on what's going on in the Middle East. I'm not a qualified prophecy major or anything but 
I've been reading the Bible long enough to see God's doing something. And I'd like to share what I believe. But our keys to endurance today, always give God the glory. Pray. Hadn't we done those two things today? Allow God to soften your heart. Be willing to let patience have a way in your life. And the final thing is, is that we must get along. That's the most important thing. We're not just a clique here at this church of like-minded people. It's not just because we believe the same. We're a family. We need to begin to see those people on your pew and all around this room. That's my brothers and that's my sisters. Now, I know when I, when I first learned that principle as a young pastor and then people would leave the church, I'm like, how do you leave me? I'm your family. I'd get my feelings hurt or whatever. But I realized God moves us around. You know, the people at the church next door over there, they're my family too. They can be over there. I can still love them. If somebody don't come to the Passion Church, they feel called to somewhere else. We, can't st- we don't have to stop being their friend. We're not cliquish. We want them to be where God wants them to be. But we need to do, we, we do need to see the whole church as a whole as our family, our brothers and sisters. In fact, Romans 12:10 says, "Be kindly affectionate to, to one another with brotherly love." You know, you've been adopted into the family of God. And if your brother or sister has been adopted, then we're family. That just settles it. We, we got deeper ties than just fleshly blood. We got eternal ties. And it says, in honor, preferring one another. That means putting other people's needs ahead of your own because they're your brothers and sisters. Colossians 3.12 says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. I don't want to cause a scene in here. But if you're holding something against somebody in here, no matter how serious you think it is, you must forgive others for God forgave you. I want you to, I want you to think of some, maybe somebody in here. Maybe, I hope you don't have anybody. If you have somebody here that, that you're just really not your cup of tea, that's fine. Brothers and sisters, not all of them get along, you know, perfectly. They're not all best friends, but we are all family, and we should all forgive. So I want you to say out of your mouth, you don't have to say who you're saying it to, but just tell them right now, I forgive you. No, say it, say it like you're saying it to that person, just don't look at them. Say, I forgive you. Why are y'all looking at me? Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive me. No, you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. 1 Peter 3.8 says, Finally, all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Because you know what? We could plant churches all over the world. 
We could do all these banners and have not love, and it would do nothing but take up real estate. Just waste the real estate. We're not trying to just accomplish, you know, brick and mortar. We're trying to build people. We're trying to love people, and that's what it's all about. So we meet here today with different backstories, different challenges, different gifts and abilities. We're all different folks, different everything. But Abba Father is knitting us together as an eternal family. We got to love one another. If we can't get that right, it ain't no sense in moving from here. Ain't no sense in spreading a bunch of hate in the world. People of the world, they need the kind of love. They need to recognize us by our love one for another, the Bible says. He's encompassed us with the vision, and the way I see it is that we should unite together so that we can shine for Christ. I believe we got a good head start. I believe we don't grow weary and well-doing. We keep our act together. We continue to love one another. But it's going to be done together. Say together. Yeah. <sighs> On Judgment Day, all those who were determined to build the Tower of Babel and to build their kingdom on this earth, you know where they're going to be? Together. All of us who come together with one heart and one mind to build God's kingdom, we pray, we trust God, and we give Him the glory. You know where we're going to be? Together. It's not God's will that any should perish. God's forgiven those who've sinned when he said it is finished, the sin debt was paid. The only thing they haven't done yet is receive the gift of, free gift of salvation. If you're here today and you don't know that you're going to heaven, then you're probably not. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 12 that you may know that you have eternal life. And this life is in his son. It's not because of works, not because you're a good person. You know, if you were to be honest with yourself, you know you're not a good person. I know I'm not a good person. I know the only thing that I have going for me is Jesus Christ. I know that the only reason that I'll ever see heaven, that I'll ever stand before the throne of God is because of the mercy and grace of the Lord Jesus and the simple fact that I placed my trust in Him. It's by grace you are saved through faith. It is the gift of God. It's not of works lest any man should boast. If you've never made that that heart change. You know, you know, I went to church my whole life. You know, you heard about my, a lot of my stuff, right? I went to church on and off during that time. And if you'd have asked me, I said, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. But I had no assurance of heaven. I just thought, well, maybe I'm good enough. I'm better than somebody else. That's just pride talking. You're not. We've all sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standards. We're all in this boat together. It's either Jesus or nothing. And when that, when God was so merciful to me that on that day in this church I guess 1997 he opened the eyes of my understanding and I reached out and said Jesus forgive me be the Lord of my life 
that was all he wanted. That's what he's always wanted from us is to get us to give him our heart and to trust him and stop, stop building our kingdom. I mean, I'm not saying you can't have things on earth, but I mean, my intent was me, me, me. God says, let me in there. Let me in there, and I'll begin to give you new desires. I'll begin to give you purpose and direction. I'll begin to make your life count. Would you let me be the Lord? Would you let me have the throne of your life? And I, and I counted the cost, and I said, I said, I know what it's like to serve the devil. I know what it's like to, for me to be in charge, and I'm messing this up. That's why I was at church that day. And I simply humbled myself and said, Jesus, forgive me. You're God, and I'm not. Be the Lord of my life. The Bible says if you will confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. That's all he's ever wanted is for you to humble yourself and acknowledge him. Repent of your sins and give your heart to him. If you're here today, would you bow your head and close your eyes? If you're here today, you never said Jesus and meant it with your heart be my Lord but you want to right now you want to be together with the right team in the end you want your life to hold significance would you raise your hand and let me pray for you right now anybody in this room praise God anybody else wants to pray and make Jesus the Lord of your life you want to be assured of a home in heaven Let's all pray together like this. If you mean it with your heart, you can be assured. You can know that Jesus will do what he says he'll do. Say, God, I repent of sin. I turn to you with great humility and give you the lordship of my life. I will follow you. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit an understanding of your purposes and I'll do my best to walk with you I pray in Jesus name Amen Thanks for listening to the podcast today We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.